We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yule Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and joining me today in place of Maddie is my friend, Caitlin. Yay! (laughs) I could never replace Maddie. (laughs) This is true. She's pretty irreplaceable, but... She's pretty awesome. She kind of rocks my socks all the way off. (laughs) She's going to appreciate that. Yay! Yeah, Maddie is recuperating from surgery. I'm not going to explain what kind of surgery it is, but just know that it went well and she's just super, super tired, which is (gasps) fair. So I was like, I'm not going to make you talk to me when you are hyped up on drugs and should be resting. Could be really interesting content, but maybe another time. Maybe another time when she probably isn't going to be like falling asleep as she's talking to me. Yeah, that probably wouldn't be very interesting. (laughs) There's just long pauses where I'm like waiting for her to respond and then I'm like, okay, never mind. Moving on. Moving on. (laughs) So I have a quick correction, Cubby. I feel so bad about this. So last week, I misnamed Trevin's podcast. It should be Live Laugh Larceny, not Live Love Larceny. I think I was in a weird fugue state when I said that. So (laughs) I am sorry, Trevin. I already apologized to him like via DM. So he's all good, but I want to acknowledge it to everybody else. So no one comes at me and is like, actually, my good friend Trevin. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're so kind. And they're so nice. While that would be a fabulous name. Mm -hmm. Some people grow quite attached to the names of their shows. So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that makes like the second time that I have misnamed somebody's podcast, but both times people have been pretty good about it. So, yeah, I'm hoping I don't do it a third time and someone's like, <laughs> listen, <laughs> you know what? Now I've already planted in your head the misnomer <laughs> that we were given P&W humps, <laughs> humps. It was sort of a, <laughs> the vowel sound was a little vague. So it was humps or humps. And homicides. <laughs> it's a fun one. You know, we thought fun. about changing it, if I'm yeah. honest. Yeah. I think it should be a Patreon-only series where you have, like, smooth jazz in the background. You know, I like where your head's at. I'm taking <laughs> that into advisement. <laughs> oh, I suppose that's a good segue. Caitlin, you should probably tell people where you're from because <laughs> I didn't say you what podcast what? you're from. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. We just know each other. And we're like, I know you. Everybody, you know her. And they're like, we really don't. Really, we don't. Yes. (laughs) So I am one half of the podcast P&W Haunts and Homicides. Yes. Yeah. We hail from, I've been told that apparently this is something not everybody knows. P&W is the Pacific Northwest. So just in case I was coming across a little mysterious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose that helps for like our international listeners who are like, I don't know what PNW stands for. Yeah. And oof, I, I dread to think about some of the different combinations that people could come up with. It's probably better to be on Front Street about it. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah. So another quick thing I'm going to mention before we get into the episode is I want to shout out our patrons, our lovely patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much to Jenna, Jennifer, and Tom. And if you would like to join their ranks, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month over on Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash ye old crime podcast. There is a link in our show notes if you were interested. I'm interested. Of course you are. (laughs) (laughs) so this week we are going to be traveling to sweden and i'm going to do my best to pronounce things properly but we are going to be discussing helga dula brash 
Are you familiar with her at all? Uh, I'm really, I'm racing through the memory bank and I think I'm coming up empty. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) So information was pulled from the following sources, a 2023 list verse article by Jessica. Jessica. A 2022 Historic Mysteries article by Roizen Everard, 2019 Mental Floss article by Christy Puchko, a 1910 Wayne News article, Stylist article by Kate Lever, Liquid Search, and two Wikipedia links. And we will have links to all of these articles in the show notes. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, Click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. Back before blood tests, you could be whoever you wanted, as long as you had a great story. Even a princess. That is living. Mm-hmm. I would have been so good at this. I would have been yeah, I feel like- the best. I'm not a great liar typically, but Mm -hmm. for the life of a princess, I'll muster. (laughs) Yeah. I'll pull out all the stops to be a princess. Let's be real. Yeah. In 1812, King Gustav Adolphus IV, who had been living in exile after he was deposed as the king of Sweden in a coup in 1809, divorced his wife, Frederica of Bowden. Years later, Helga shared that she was the product of his and Frederica of Bowden's reunion when they secretly remarried, quote, in a convent in Germany, end quote. Not my dream choice of wedding venue. I'm, I'm currently on the prowl, but it's a choice. <laughs> it is a choice. The most romantic? One could argue no, but uh, you do you. Yeah. Monarchs can do what they want. Sometimes you got to consider the budget. This is true. (laughs) I'm in exile. We were already divorced. This convent's here. I don't think the nuns are going to charge us anything, but you know, I don't know. Save the romance for the honeymoon, my darling. That's true. (laughs) She was born in Lausanne in 1820, but raised in secret by King Gustav IV's aunt, Princess Sophia Albertine of Sweden to ensure she wouldn't be viewed as a claimant to the royal throne. She was also placed in Sophia's care due to the fact that Frederica, her mother, was placed in an asylum. Oh, okay. So, not an ideal place to come up as a kid. No. So, I think that tracks. Yeah. Upon Sophia's death in 1829... Helga was taken to the Vodstinina Asylum in Linköping at the age of nine under the guise of being insane so she could be raised in secret with her true identity hidden from the world. Why why is everything got to be shrouded in so much mystery? And why is the answer asylums? Yeah, there's a lot of that. (laughs) (laughs) Real asylum heavy on this story so far. (laughs) Not my first choice for places to, you know, be shrouded in mystery. No. But, uh, you know, you do you. Not so much. Yeah, (laughs) my gosh. (laughs) Helga lived in the asylum until 1834, when she was released at the age of 14 into the care of her family in Bowden. While there, she was placed under house arrest, again, to keep her true identity a secret. Oh, boy. (laughs) She is just all of the aliases. I mean, does anyone know who she really is? What does she even look like? We don't know. (laughs) Does she know who she is at this point? Exactly. (laughs) Why am I not allowed to see anybody? Yeah. (laughs) Her father passed away not long after she was reunited with her family, dying on February 7, 1837, at the age of 58. Overcome with grief at the news, Helga was once again taken to an asylum in Sweden at the age of 17. The Bowden family, who had gone to extreme lengths to keep her existence hidden, feared that if she were to suddenly speak out about her true identity while in a state of such grief, Her words would only be viewed as those of a madwoman. 
uh, I mean, probably a fair assumption. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> that is rude. This whole I know. hysterical woman thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan. And again, why is the default asylums? <laughs> there are other places that exist. My gosh. I mean, can we circle back to the convent idea? Yeah. Pretend a she's lot of going them to join better. the nunnery. Like, yeah. <laughs> it may not have been like perfect. A lot of them weren't better at that point in history, but mm-hmm. like, just switch it up. Try something different. Yeah. <laughs> there are enough castles in the world in Europe where you probably could have found one that she could hide away in and it would be fine. There's got to be. That's the castle I want to live in. <laughs> I want to live in the small hidden away castle where I can live shrouded in mystery. Yes. <laughs> yes. Who's that girl? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a mystery. Um, I love that. We're huge new girl fans. So mm-hmm. you had me at who's that girl? <laughs> <laughs> who's that girl? Don't know. <laughs> It wasn't long before she managed to escape, living off the charity of strangers sympathetic to her plight. She started to appear in society, and her requests for support were granted by Queen Mother Josefina, who provided her with a generous yearly pension of 6,000 Riksdoller a year, or around $19,450 as of 2015. Okay, so it's something, but... Mm -hmm. That's not supporting your princess lifestyle. No. Not by a long shot. In 1850, at the age of 30, she started to publicly discuss her royal lineage and began to petition the reigning monarch, King Oscar I, for a yearly allowance. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. However, not everyone believed that Helga was who she claimed to be, and her pension payments were halted. She soon began to accumulate debts to the people who had been supporting her. Debts she had no means to pay back. Oh, double uh-oh. I think it's another one of those classic cases of living above your means. Kind of kind of in a way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, girlfriend, for all intents and purposes, you are a peasant, just like the rest of us. Unfortunately, for you. <laughs> It's unfortunate for you, yes. Helga had many private benefactors, including salon hostess Francis Lewin von Cook, who was the spouse of the Minister of Justice, Niels von Cook. The pair provided her with lodging, as well as a lawyer, which is an interesting okay. combination. I mean, that's moving on up in the world. Mm-hmm. You got a house, you have legal representation. Pretty good. Yeah. All right. I'm digging it. She also was supported by Anders Uzer, a member of parliament, and the royal court chaplain, Carl Norby. Everyone who met her had no reason to doubt her, as she seemed too sensible, almost naive, to be able to come up with any sort of half-truth. Okay. (laughs) That's a tough one to argue against, I think, at that point. She's just a simple country girl, you know? Yeah. All that asylum life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if you're really wealthy, I suppose you don't have to be clever. This is true. You can let your money do the talking for you. There you go. I am ready. (laughs) I know. Let me let that. I want that princess life. Yes. Eleven years after her pensions had been cut, she petitioned to the Swedish government once more requesting her royal annuity, which she was granted from the Foreign Department in March of 1861 by King Charles XV, following a meeting he had with her, after which he claimed the members of Parliament, quote, why, she is just as sane as you or me, end quote. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) And a woman. (laughs) Gasp. (laughs) Honestly, that should be surprising after all of that time in so many asylums. (laughs) How did she do it? (laughs) 
you know, I think she's okay. You know, up here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the 1830s version of you can have it all. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's not mental illness. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. TM, TM. TM, 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 TM. By this point, many members of not just the Swedish parliament, but also the royal family became divided on their stance of whether or not Helga was, in fact, royalty. Prime Minister Louis de Kier and Foreign Minister Ludwig Manderström were firmly in the camp of those that believed her to be a fraud. Well, they sound like they have the most dickish names, so I'm not surprised. Right. Your names are (laughs) hard to say. Exactly. You're wrong. Yeah. Helga once again received a government pension, this time of 2,400 Swedish Riksdaler, which as of 2015 would be around $7,500, as well as furniture befitting a princess. Okay, well, listen... Maybe if somebody's putting me up in a nice spot, I can Mm -hmm. learn to live on a little less, Mm -hmm. you know, keep that girlish figure Mm -hmm. by trimming down the grocery budget. (laughs) Maybe she had a victory garden. You don't know. I mean. It's anyone's guess, you know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Ye old dietary accommodations, restrictions, you you know. To be fair, she also continued to receive charity from her many supporters. So she might have been living actually pretty good. They didn't say anywhere how much she was making from her supporters. So hard to say. Hard to say. Many members of the royal family viewed her lineage as legitimate, while many Finns and Swedes who knew of her assumed she was merely receiving unfair treatment by the current reigning monarchy. I mean, when has that ever happened, though? I know. (laughs) Never. They are known for their generous spirit and kind-hearted acts of goodwill. Totes. Totes. A longtime female companion of Helga backed up her claims as a member of the royal family. She was a well-spoken and properly educated woman, which helped assure those who doubted Helga of the validity of her claims. This is an interesting thing that I came across. Any press who wanted to verify her claims by reaching out to her mother were blocked due to the fact that any communication with dethroned royalty was illegal in Sweden. Okay, well that complicates things just a titch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she was also, I think, still in an asylum. So that also puts a little bit of a on whether or not what she said could be trusted. Yeah, I guess you got to grease the wheels for, you know, some orderly there at the uh, asylum. Just put her out on the window, you know, like with the TV people, and then I'll just, (laughs) you know, slide on in and it'll be fine. Yeah, that is the ye old version of sliding into someone's DMs. (laughs) Totally. Solved it. (laughs) Hey, girl. How's it going? You look real good. Hey, girl. Hey. So what's the sitch? Tell me the 411. (laughs) Am I the drama? (laughs) (laughs) At least until 1870, when Carl Norby wrote an essay about her that was published in the paper, which brought up more questions than answers prompting an investigation. Oh. Mm -hmm. So people are like, this is, okay, there's some intrigue here. Mm -hmm. Maybe we pull at that thread just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. In 1876, under the reign of King Oscar II, people started to question if Helga was actually the person she claimed to be, which resulted in a trial. Oh, I... Okay, what kind of a trial? I'm a little (laughs) nervous now. (laughs) No. At this time, Helga was 56 years old. Okay. Well, does it seem like it kind of doesn't matter either way? I mean, at this point, I'd say no, but I mean, they're royalty, so. Yeah. I get it. 
During the trial, which took place between 1876 and 1877, Helga spilled it all, providing her real identity, that of Aurora Florentina Magnuson. Oh, all the hottest tea. Mm-hmm. She spilled all of it. Aurora Florentina Magnuson was born on September 6, 1817, in Stockholm, Sweden. Her father was a custom caretaker named Andesh Magnusson, who passed away when Aurora was nine in 1826. She was one of five children and under the care of a widow mother whose social standing was nowhere near Andesh, who was well-educated. Oh, okay. It was at her confirmation that her mother was overheard saying that Aurora wasn't her biological child, but merely her foster child. Oh? I know. There's so much tea in this. Aurora's mother listed her quote-unquote real parents as members of the upper class, Count de Kier, and an unmarried noblewoman. Shut the front door. Scandal. Ah! Whether this was true or not, these simple statements would leave a profound and lasting impression on Aurora. Regardless of her father's social status, Aurora was only able to receive a basic education, and in 1835, at the age of 18, she became employed as a maid and bookkeeper to the Hedman family. She was only with them for a short time, just three years, as they believed she was, quote, above her station, end quote. Okay, when they say that, do they mean she was acting as if she was above her station? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, I wonder why she thinks she's... <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> she literally thinks she is. Yeah, like, I, don't, I shouldn't have to clean for you guys. I'm above yeah. you. I'm trying to live my best princess life. Um, <laughs> and I'll be honest, my job duties are kind of getting in the way of that. Yeah. Like, same. Yeah. You're totally harsh in my groove. (laughs) (laughs) Aurora then went on to be hired in 1838 by the wealthy merchant Henrik Auspergrien on Westerlangotten 78, where she assisted the women of the family as they prepared for the balls they attended as a seamstress. Oh, okay. So she might be getting like a little bit closer to the action. Mm Mm-hmm. I was getting like Cinderella type vibes right here because she's like helping I... them with their dresses and stuff. This is like major Bridgerton vibes. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Given a glimpse of the type of life she so desperately wanted, Aurora implored one of the daughters to allow her to live with the family, proclaiming that she was homeless and had nowhere to go. This daughter, Henrika Auspergrien, became totally enamored with Aurora, gifting her expensive clothes before the pair eventually left the Auspergrian household altogether. What? Now, like, I don't want to, like, spread rumors or anything. Right? I think I know where you're going with this. Given this was, like, in the 1800s. But in, like, the stories that I read, it made it seem like they were a little closer than just good friends you don't say so i don't know yeah but it just i don't know and you'll kind of get it as i go through their dynamic but it just seemed a little like they were more bosom buddies yeah there's a little more to it yeah because i was just like that seems like really odd to just all of a sudden be like i love this girl so much that i'm gonna like run away from my house And we're going to go do our own thing together. Right. Especially coming from, you know, obviously some privilege Mm -hmm. to just say, I'm walking away from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big statement. It is. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if there's a little bit more to that. And if there is, you go, girls. But get it. You know, like I just, I was a little intrigued by that. Yeah. In 1844, the pair moved to Finland, where Aurora changed her name to Aurora Florentina Dulebrosh, 
which was the last name of the royal family. Oh, I see what she did there. Mm-hmm. The following year, in 1845, she changed her name once more to Anna Florentina Dulabrache. The transition to her new persona of Dulabrache was cemented when Aurora Magnuson was reported as drowned. Oh, okay. So now we're faking our death. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm guessing it wasn't for life insurance money, but... <laughs> I don't think so. I think it was more like, I need to bury this. Like, this needs to go away. Wow. Okay. So I was like, all right. The name on her passport would eventually change to the name she was most commonly known as, Helga Dulabrosh, while she and Henrika traveled around Finland and Sweden, during which time Henrika worked as a teacher in order to support their lavish lifestyle. Okay, actually having to take a job, huh? I know. That's tough times. Yeah. In 1846, Henrika established a ladies' school in Turku, Finland, capitalizing on the Dula Brosh name to appeal to the masses. There are even accounts that Helga mastered the art of the fainting spell, to avoid unpleasant questions and situations from parents. Hello. Okay, oh. so <laughs> where did you say this uh, this school was? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just Turku, Finland is fine. Okay, yeah. All right, well, we'll wrap this up because I do have a flight to catch, but... Um... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Two years later in 1848... The pair relocated to Orebro before moving to Sala in 1857, where the pair attempted to create a fashion store, but the project failed before it could really begin. Okay, so, I mean, where'd they go wrong? Is, are these, like, ye old crocs that they were trying to get out there, or...? <laughs> I don't know if it was something where it was, like, they couldn't get a business loan, or maybe they didn't have enough collateral to... You know oh. what I mean? I just jumped immediately on the, like, it wasn't fashionable fashion. That's the train <laughs> that I got on. I was like, listen, if they had good fashion sense, somebody would have funded them. It but was just too soon for the croc movement. They needed to wait another hundred some years. At least. Yeah. Too soon. It was just too soon. They were way too fashion forward. They were like <laughs> a century or so too fashion forward. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> In the 1860s, the pair moved to Stockholm, where Aurora made the decision to profit off her fake identity, working to present herself as a long-lost princess of Sweden. Can't do that in Crocs. No. <laughs> People be like, what the hell is going on with your feet, girl? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> Especially if you charm them out the way that my co-host does <laughs> cassie has a charm in every single one of her crock holes oh wow yeah. see i only have one in each of my crocs really yeah she do she do it up big yeah i'm i'm a little too basic i'm not <laughs> that's that okay cool. that'd be me <laughs> i have one that's like a little starbucks cup on one foot and then the other one is a little boba thing and i think it says suck my balls Hello. Which I thought so was hysterical. you've caffeine and potty humor, and mm -hmm. I'm there for that. Mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> I don't think I need to add any more to those cracks. They, nope. They say enough as it is. No, you've got it. <laughs> the trial drew royal and national attention, with both classes waiting with bated breath for the verdict. On March 2nd, 1877, Aurora was ultimately found guilty of fraudulently claiming to be a member of the royal family, as well as registering herself under a false name, year of birth, and for not tax registering herself for the year of 1877. Oh, tax fraud. That's always how they get you. God. Oh, man. You gotta pay your taxes. Yeah. Especially if you're committing other crimes. Any mm -hmm. tax professional will tell you. Yep. 
I feel like that was like a last little dig thing they added on there. Yeah. Like, yeah, not only do you have a false name, but you know, taxes. Taxes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> death and taxes. That's the thing. I, that's exactly in my head. I'm just like, death and taxes. <laughs> Oh no! But we are we going to get a side of death with the taxes in this situation? Well, surprisingly, she was sentenced numerous fines and somehow avoided jail. What? Mm-hmm. Okay, now I fully think that that was. I mean, she was wrongfully convicted because if she really did it, they would have given her something harsh. Yeah, like. Right? Hard labor. Yeah. They wouldn't do that to the princess, even Mm -hmm. if they're trying to make her stay a secret princess. That's Mm -hmm. convince me otherwise. I don't think you can. Yep. Following the trial, Aurora and Henrika moved to an apartment together in the Clara Nora region of Sweden, where they lived in seclusion. The pair were described as nice old ladies who were regularly seen walking in the park ordered their food delivered to them at home, and rarely spoke with others. Oh, my God. This could be, wow, this could be me and Cassie. This could be you and Maddie. (laughs) Right? I mean, how many friends did they have? Maybe this is you, me, Cassie, and Maddie. (laughs) (laughs) Just living in our little, like, cute little old lady apartment. I love that. I know. The pair surfaced briefly in 1884 when King Oscar II spotted them roaming the Drottningholm Gardens and had them removed from the property, which is, I think, a little over the top. Come on. I was going to say. They're old. They're little old ladies. (laughs) Have some class. Right? You don't need to (laughs) kick them out of the garden. God. Give me a break. Even if there were fences, they're not going to be able to scale them. Let's be real. They're little old ladies. Mm -mm. After this, the women moved to another apartment in Zjurgoten, run by Mrs. Maria Charlotte Nyberg, in an effort to avoid being arrested. I mean, I'm sure they're kind of paranoid at this point. Like, I would think so. Like, the (laughs) the king kicked us out of his garden. We're just going to go. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to go in peace. Exactly. Just a year later, Aurora passed away on January 11th, 1885, at the age of 67. As she lay on her deathbed, she shared with friend and artist Giac von Rosen that she firmly believed she was of noble birth. Oh, I know. That's so sad. I mean, if you think about it, though, she was really kicking. Yeah. I mean, a year before she died, she just like got casually kicked out of the king's garden (laughs) fuck like right wow that really puts my weekend into perspective (laughs) i know i did nothing with myself wow okay well you know something to aspire to Mm -hmm. maybe next weekend (laughs) i know i need to up my game to get kicked out of someone's garden then i'll be kind of close to her level of cool right Politician Per August Johansson sought to clear Aurora slash Helga's name in 1909. In the November 3rd, 1910 edition of the Wayne News newspaper, an article ran titled Swedish Royalty Fighting Lawsuit Involving a Ruler. Sections of the article are as follows. So I didn't do the whole thing, but I just kind of pulled out some interesting pieces. Ooh, little juicy tidbits. Mm Mm-hmm. Quote, the amazing action will be resumed to recover $1,250,000, or around $40 million today, from the Swedish royal purse. The plaintiff is P.A. Johansson, a member of the Landsting. He not only seeks to recover the money, but also a number of letters he says were given to the royal family by the late Anna Helga Dulabrosh. Count von Rosen regards Miss Dulabrosh as sincere in the claims she put forward during her life. He adds, quote, If she did deceive, it was because she herself had been deceived. She had from her earliest childhood heard statements from which sprang the conviction till her dying hour 
that she was in truth the daughter of the king, end quote. Which is fair. Yeah. I mean, this is all based on what she was told. Mm-hmm. Quote, after the pension was stopped, she made her first appearance at the foreign office and General Lagerheim tried to demonstrate the future of her pretensions. You think then, she cried, that I am an imposter? I don't think so. I am sure of it, was the reply of the director general. Miss Dulabrache got up and went off, quote, looking more like a bad-tempered woman found out than an offended princess, end quote. Okay, well, those things, just to be fair, they can look very similar. Well, it's like, what does an offended princess do? Like, throw her glove or, like, drop a handkerchief and, like, huff away? I, you know, I think we have a real-world example of sort of the, one of these things is not like the other with the royal family right now. I think Mm -hmm. Kate is very much what this is what a princess should look like. And then Megan is apparently oftentimes not. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Lover, hater, whatever you think. Mm-hmm. Quote, Mrs. Maria Charlotte Nyberg, at whose house the claimant lodged during the last years of her life, declares her guest frequently stated she was the issue of a secret marriage of King Gustavus IV. She also said she met her father on the island of Huyen in the Sound about 1830 and received from him several letters of such importance to her fortune that subsequently $1,250,000, or the $40 million that I mentioned before, was deposited in her interest by her Russian relatives with the Swedish royal family. That is really great news if she can produce that letter, am I right? Right. <laughs> As to the incidental assertion put in by the defending attorney, court auditor Lundgren, that Miss Dulabrache was identical with a certain Ansora Florentina Magnusson, the daughter of a customs official, Mr. Blomquist, who was her legal advisor in 1870, has filed a long statement in disproof, declaring the allegation is quote-unquote senseless. Okay, well... You know, let's stop throwing around this, you know, (laughs) senseless, hysterical, crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We don't want to end up in the asylum again, do we? (laughs) I know. Fourth time, not so great. Yeah. She's already been there three times. (laughs) Oh, man. Third time was not the charm. (laughs) No. The 1910s brought to light some interesting new details about Helga's supposed mother, Frederica of Bowden. Prior to her divorce from King Gustavus IV, she had named the Russian Tsar, Alexander I, as the guardian of her children. With this new information brought to light, Helga would have been entitled to royal compensation. However, it didn't really matter since the Russian Revolution started in 1917, and this was several years after her death. That is so annoying. Mm-hmm. So that is the story of Helga du Labroche slash Aurora Florentina Magnuson. My gosh. I mean, she had some awesome names. Aurora, that's she- a pretty cool name. I was just thinking to myself, I love the name Aurora. Total Sleeping Beauty vibes. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think she was just a con artist or do you think maybe she like really truly thought she was oh i am team princess aurora slash helga all the way for Mm -hmm. sure if she wasn't actually royalty i don't think that she knew any better Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well and given that she did grow up in an asylum like who's to say what sort of thing she would have thought up when she was there i mean What sort of orphan kid wouldn't be like, wouldn't it be great if I was just a lost princess? You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then, you know, the mind has great ways of convincing itself of certain truths. Oh, absolutely. And if no one came out until she was, you know, in her 50s saying, oh, no, that's not right. Right. How would would she know any different? You know? I mean, 
Especially no. if people were like, we're going to put you under house arrest because you are this princess that's missing and we don't, we want to make sure nobody's going to do anything to you, you know, like. Exactly. My God, what is she supposed to believe at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I agree. I don't know. But that's, that's Helga for you. I think you mean Princess Aurora. <laughs> there you go. Princess Aurora of Sweden. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Yield Crime Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at Yield Crime Podcast. On TikTok, of course you are. Follow us at Yield Crime Podcast. Welcome to Life Curious Women Season 2. I am so excited to share everything we've been working on for the past couple of months. Life Curious Women is where you will find honest conversations exploring women's experiences, learning, growing, and healing. Join me, Ashley Nadine Lopez, a Latinx actor and a lifelong learner, as I interview fellow Life Curious Women in their journeys to finding or following their purpose. Life Curious Women grew out of a passion to share women's stories. I personally love meeting new people and hearing about what lights their fire and how they have followed their intuition and their passions to create the life that they're living today. I think that there is power in community and power in listening to other people's stories to help push and inspire you to follow your own passion and purpose. So if you are working on your growth in your life, you need some inspiration, or you're just interested in the stories of other women, come learn and join the Life Curious Women community by listening to episodes weekly. This week's podcast plug is the Life Curious Women podcast, where you will find honest conversations exploring women's experiences, learning, growing, and healing. Join Latinx actor and longtime learner Ashley Nadine Lopez as she interviews fellow Life Curious Women in their journeys to finding or following their purpose. If you are working on growth in your life, need some inspiration, or are just plain interested in the stories of other women, give it a listen. Love that. And she was on the last episode of Can You Crack the Cramp Work? Okay, I thought that sounded really familiar. Yeah, so you can, if you haven't listened to that episode, you can go back and check that out, but we'll have a link to her show in the show notes. And we have a listener question this week, so you get an opportunity to answer a listener question. Ooh. So our friend Carrie Ann wants to know, Would you travel back in time so you could stop Jack the Ripper or so you could gather more evidence before the bodies were discovered for the future to find out? Mm, That is, that is so tough. Mm -hmm. So I can just completely stop him. Just nip that in the bud. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. But what is, oh man. Damn it, Ashton. I'm thinking of the <laughs> butterfly effect. And I think I think I have to go back and collect more evidence because I mean, who mm-hmm. knows what other aspects of history that I'm changing? And it pains me to say it, but ah, final answer, Regis. <laughs> yeah. I I agree with you. I think I think it's one of those things where it's it's horrible what happened to those canonical five. Mm-hmm. And who knows if it happened to more women that we don't know about because there was no ripper letters about other women. Right. Seems like there's a high likelihood. Mm-hmm. Especially given like how there was pockets of time in between the first like three and then all of a sudden it was like the second two were just super bam, like, bam, 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 bam. Yeah. And how it kind of escalated to that point. Like, it didn't just start with minor incisions or anything in the first victim. Like, it was like, this guy knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like if I could go back, it would definitely be to gather more evidence 
before he got to the point where he finally stopped. If yeah. that is in fact when he did finally stop. So that's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's so hard to look at some of the gaps in the case and say, yes, for sure, the canonical five, that's, you know, was he killing before that? Did he continue killing after? Was he, mm-hmm. I mean, think about all of the conspiracies about other parts of the world that he may have traveled to mm-hmm. and cases all over the world that could be potentially linked to him. Like the H.H. Holmes theory that. Oh my God. That theory. It's a wild one. It is a wild one. I was like, oh yeah. my God. I just can't see that. That's not his MO though. That wasn't H.H. Holmes' yeah. MO. He was all about like gassing people and. Yeah, I mean. All that it, other stuff, but yeah. It doesn't really fit for me, you know, to my mind, but uh, it. I guess anything's possible. Mm hmm. Anything is, is possible. This is true. Well, thank you for that question, Kirian. I hope you appreciate our responses. Yeah, that was such a good question. Mm-hmm. All right. Ladies first, what is something good you'd like to share this week? <laughs> oh, my goodness. How did I get to this point and not even <laughs> – it never occurred to me. Think of your something good. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm recently engaged, and that in and of itself could be a something good. Congratulations. I'm so excited. It would be really something good if I could remember to call my fiancé that instead of boyfriend, but we're working (laughs) on it. It's a work in progress. It takes a little while to get used to saying that. It does. Yeah. Man, he's got a whole new title. It's a a promotion. It's Mm – Yeah. So that's exciting. We actually just visited the first of the two venues that we're going to go and look at. Nice. We have another one this week and we spent a little bit of time with his parents this afternoon to show them the venues online and it's starting to feel a little bit more real. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting. It's it's a little bit stressful, but it's mostly exciting so far (laughs) yeah 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 that was that was a fun part for us like kind of figuring out where you're gonna have it and all the other little like details that go into it and yeah have fun with that because it's fun yeah i think so it should be all right now i'm like blanking on something good that i that i can share I do this every You're like, week, well, it was a real hassle trying to get this episode up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's my see. goodness. Hmm. I suppose my something good is the fact that my one coworker who works on my team, what up to? <laughs> who designed all of our artwork, like our logo and stuff. That's so fun. I know. She was unable to make a work trip that she was originally scheduled for in New Orleans. So now it sounds like she's going to be going to a trade show with me in the fall, which I'm super excited about. And we're going to Washington, D.C. And I've never been to D.C. before, so I'm pretty excited. Hello. Major score. Wow. You're burying the lead there. I know. So I'm I'm pretty excited. That's something where... The reason I thought of it is because my boss booked flights this week. She was like, are you okay with these flights? And I was like, yes, I can be at the airport at five in the morning. That's fine. I just won't sleep the night before. It'll be great. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Not excited about that, but we'll get home around dinner time on the way back. So it's fine. Yeah. Well, that is going to be such a great trip. Mm -hmm. I have not been to Washington, D.C., either Mm -hmm. so you're gonna have to fill me in on all of the things that you managed to cram into that little trip and let me know what's up i know she and i joke that we're gonna try and like sit on lincoln's lap i'm pretty sure that's not gonna happen but ah i mean i mean we could try to spider-man our way up but i'm pretty sure someone's gonna like try to arrest us if we do that so JK, say, I'm not gonna actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm 
I'm not entirely sure. Like, you know, hashtag not a lawyer. <laughs> but <laughs> do they do they frown on that? Is that I'm pretty sure it's frowned upon that to yeah. try to sit on <laughs> old Papa Lincoln's lap, but you know. Well maybe you can use the magic of photography to try and make it look like you're sitting on his lap. You know what? I think I think I might know a guy. Yeah. Or or you know, the magic of yeah. Photoshop. But <laughs> we can pretend. We can pretend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And on that note, we're gonna shut it down. If you're interested in ad-free content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. So a great way to support the show, if you can't do so financially, is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, and there are some others out there that I probably don't even know about. And this week's comes from, I think it's Apple Podcast. Pretty sure it's <laughs> Apple Podcast. And it's from our friend Lo Dandy. And it says, interesting topics that keep you to the end. And she says, I met Lindsay in the Awesome Network and thought I should check out her show. And after listening to the first one, I binged for a day. I don't even feel bad for listening to a true crime podcast because I feel like I'm learning about interesting historical happenings, too. So true. Thank you, Lo. I recorded with her recently for an upcoming episode of Can You Crack the Cramp Word? And it was very nice talking to her. I actually was also a guest on her show. So when that comes out, I will share it with our listeners in case you're interested about my breastfeeding journey. So hello. Yeah, that's a fun thing you can hear about. If that's <laughs> your jam. You're really into learning. <laughs> yeah, I'm into learning and sharing. I'm a sharer. I'm a giver. I'm a lifelong learner. I love that. <laughs> Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Caitlin. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. <laughs>